Welcome everybody to our Stay by the Tree series with our theme, Messages of Hope. This is sponsored by Life Changing Services and our Mothers Who Know program and our Mom Power classes. Mom Power, in case you're wondering, is a class where you learn to apply powerful principles to find ongoing courage and peace as a mom amid life's challenges. We learn that we can stand in any storm with the Savior by our side. Mom Power Training is an eight-week live webinar that runs on Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. It's presented by Karen Broadhead, who is the Parent Support Specialist at Life Changing Services and the Founder and Director of Mothers Who Know. Our next eight-week series class starts March 31st, and if you want more information on that or to register, you can register at mompowertraining.com. We'd love it if you brought a friend and just told everybody that you knew about it. That would be awesome. Between each eight-week Mom Power Training series, we offer a three-week live webinar called Stay by the Tree, and that's what you all are here for today. Our theme for that every time is Messages of Hope, and we try to bring in as many awesome guest presenters and speakers as we can. It runs today, obviously. You're all here for that, March 10th, and then the next two weeks, March 17th and March 24th. Today's topic or uh, message of hope is going to be given by Shelly Edwards Jorgensen, and she's going to be talking about tender mercies and overcoming trials with the atonement of Christ. If you'd like to learn more about Shelly, you can visit her website at beautifulashesmemoir.com, or you can email her at beautifulashesmemoir at gmail.com. She's also on Instagram and Facebook, and you can look at Beautiful Ashes Memoir, and you'll see her there. And I'm just going to turn the time over to Karen, who's going to give us a little more introduction to Shelly and a little bit more about her background. Yeah. In case you can't see me and you're new to our webinar, this is Karen Broadhead, the director of Mothers You Know. And we're just so happy you're here, but more, just so more happy than that to introduce you to Shelly. Uh, I had the opportunity to visit with her for some time yesterday, and it was just so wonderful to notice how approachable and down-to-earth, as well as just inspired and gifted she was at appreciating life for what it is. It was just really um, enlightening to speak with her, and it's always fun to speak with people who have a story, and we all do have so such a beautiful story with a lot of things in it that are difficult and challenging, but also that are just illuminating and glorious because we have a life and we get to move and grow within that life. And she's such a great example of that. One of the gifts that I noticed she had is a great gift of empathy that she's been given through the things she's been through for all of us. And I hope, I know today that you'll be able to relate at some level in a specific way, what she can empathize just with you about. She's so awesome. Yeah, she's speaking again, in case you love what she does today, she's speaking again at Women's Conference at BYU on April 30th, and then she'll be speaking again this summer for the Sunrise and Hope Domestic Violence Shelter. So we're gonna turn the time over to you, Shelley, and thank you so much for being here. But before I turn the time over to her, we're going to have a Q&A at the end of this, at the top of the hour. It'll be about 25 minutes long. And so I'd like to invite you, as Shelly's talking, to write down any questions you have for her or any clarifications you would like that you can ask her at the end of our meeting because she is so excited to be able to connect with us after she's done with her presentation. 
Okay, Shelly, you're on. Thank All you. right. Well, good, good morning, everybody. I'm I'm Shelly Jorgensen, and I'm just going to warn everybody that um, I had to write this presentation down, not because I don't know my life story. I do know my story, but for anybody who knows me, they would know that I would go on and on and on, and we would be here for like six hours, and um, you would have to cancel all your plans for the afternoon. So. Um, if you see me glancing down, it's because I am reading uh, my, my presentation. So anyway, I'm here today to, to share my thoughts on the tender mercies of the Lord. And Elder Bettnard defined the tender mercies of the Lord as the very personal and individualized blessings, strength, protection, assurances, guidance, loving kindness, consolation, support, and spiritual gifts which we receive from and because of and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Further, he taught that the tender mercies of the Lord are real and that they do not occur randomly or merely by coincidence. Often, the Lord's timing of his tender mercies help us to both discern and acknowledge them. Throughout the scriptures, we are reminded of the tender mercies of the Lord. In Psalms 69, 16, it reads, Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. And in Luke uh, 1, 78, Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, recognizes that it was through the tender mercies of God that his son would prepare the way for the savior of the world. And Nephi testified in 1 Nephi chapter 1, verse 20, Behold, I, Nephi, will show unto you that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith to, to make them mighty, even unto the power of deliverance. We need to take time to recognize the, the Lord's tender mercies in our lives. Have you experienced these or similar tender mercies? A phone call from a friend at the exact moment you needed to talk? A text to brighten your day? A song on the radio that spoke peace to your mind? A visit with a family member that clarified a decision? A thought that solved a problem? A story that provided an answer? A service that relieved a struggle? And, and, and this is one that we're going to go into a little bit more, but a trial that deepened your ability to empathize. Most people don't think of trials as tender mercies, but I certainly do. An answer to a heartfelt prayer, a strength you didn't know you had, counsel that offered comfort, forgiveness you needed to heal. <clears throat> These and countless other moments are more than mere coincidence. They are the tender mercies of the Lord. As we exercise faith in Jesus Christ and humbly choose to follow him, he will abundantly bless us with his tender mercies. I'm here to tell you today <clears throat> that extreme adversity has been the biggest tender mercy in my life. Now, before you think I'm crazy, you, you gotta hear me out. You know, not, mo not many say that extreme adversity is a good thing, but I'm a little crazy, and, and for me, it, it's been 
the biggest blessing in my life. So in order for me to talk about this, so I need to tell you a bit about my story. Since it would take me hours to tell you the whole story, I'm going to do my best to just give you the highlights just so you can get an idea of the road I traveled so I can get to the lessons I've learned. So for starters, I grew up in the home in a home without the gospel with an abusive father. My dad was an alcoholic with the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde personality and would become physically and verbally abusive. Most of that abuse was being directed towards my mother, but as I got older, his drinking got worse and so did his explosions. On October 14, 1985, I was a 15-year-old sophomore and my sister was a 17-year-old senior. That day, our home burned down and our mother died. Four months later, my dad was arrested for setting fire to our house and murdering my mother. His trial wasn't for another two years. It was the spring of my senior year. But suffice it to say that I've been on my own since the day my mother died. On that day, I lost my mother, my home, all worldly possessions, and my family was destroyed. I didn't know, know it, but a, a, a week before my dad's trial, I found out that I was going to have to be the star witness for the prosecution. They essentially were using my testimony to prove first-degree murder. No one, of course, thought that it might be a terrifying thing for, for me to do as a 17-year-old who grew up behind the facade of upscale suburban living while hiding domestic violence, especially since I had to leave court and go home with my dad after basically proving he was not only guilty of murdering my mother and burning our house down, but proving that he had been threatening to do just that for almost as long as I can remember. And I could go into so many stories um, to tell you uh, about that, but um, that's not the crux of what I, the message I wanna give today. But uh, so one might think that things couldn't get worse after that, but they did. Uh, among other things, people started stealing what was left and my father stole my sister and I's college money, which was mainly given to, our, given to us from our grandparents. Other relatives stole money after my dad went to jail. And in the end, my dad continued his abuse of us. And his final strike was to make sure that my sister and I would get nothing from him when he died. So he wrote us out of his will three months before he died. At 15, I was fending for myself in longing for a place to belong again. I wanted nothing more than to have a family to call my own. Fortunately, Heavenly Father has blessed me with incredible friends and I have been adopted by my friend's family. And, and, and that's, that's been a lifesaver for me is, is being adopted. Um, it's, it's been such a huge blessing. And many, several of those adopted uh, sisters are, are here today. So, however, I, the dream of getting married in my 20s and having children of my own what, wasn't in the cards. I had to wait until I was 41 to finally get married. Was, that was another huge trial for me. It, it took me decades of feeling unlovable until I finally met my husband. 
he's wonderful and I'm grateful for him, but waiting for so many years was very hard. So that was another, another really hard thing to deal with. In addition to everything else that started in my teens, I also had several major sports injuries to deal with. A back injury, which led to spending two months of my senior year in a body cast, and a knee injury that led to five surgeries, including a total knee replacement when I was 34 years old, which also, <laughs> this is, I'm getting off um, script, but um, on the departure from the hospital for my knee surgery, this is kind of a funny story. They ran me into the wall with my surgical leg and I lost 55 degrees of my range of motion and had to have another procedure. But again, that, see, this is me getting off into the weeds. So um, in 2008, I started having abdominal issues and had four surgeries by the fall of 2009, only to find myself with pain that the doctors couldn't solve. The only good news about this at the time was that I was functioning and most of the severe pain wouldn't last for more than a few hours at a time. Just when I thought I'd be free from some of the most major trials in my life, a new one started. On my honeymoon, and the trial wasn't my husband, it, I started getting sick every time I ate. Um, this led to another diagnosis and abdominal surgery in October 2011. There were complications from that surgery. I almost died like two or three times in this process. I had a total of four operations in two months, and the last one resulted in the total removal of my stomach. After the removal of my stomach, the pain and nausea that I was suffering before was actually worse, and I found myself bedridden for hours after every meal, and the doctors had no answers for me. It was just going to be how I had to live the rest of my life, which was sick 24 hours a day. I had constant pain and constant nausea that just got worse when I, when I ate. And uh, to top all that off, I was also sexually abused by an acquaintance of my parents when I was 11 years old. And the abuse happened several times over a two week period. And then I was raped two different times within the same year my mother died. I never told anybody about the sexual abuse until I was in college because of the shame that I felt. And, you know, that's, that subject alone is, is something that a whole talk could be about. But I, I'm, I just want you to know that all along the way, I struggled with many unanswered questions. Why did my mother always go back to my father? Oh, why we never were allowed to discuss our feelings or fears and had to pretend that everything was okay when clearly it wasn't. What was the purpose in life? The list goes on. There are many years of struggle. I suffered with depression and thoughts of suicide. I actually found myself sitting on the edge of the rooftop after my second rape, trying to decide if I should jump or not. The only thing that stopped me was the thought of the pain that I would cause my sister. I loved her more than I loved myself, so I didn't, obviously I didn't jump. It took me well into my mid-30s to finally heal from all this trauma. I'd gone to counseling on and off since my freshman year at BYU, but when I found myself in the habit of praying to die every day because I was so miserable, I started therapy again. This time I did different techniques that totally changed my life. I, I don't know if you guys know, but um, 
there's some techniques that I did. I did EMDR, NET, which is neuroemotional technique, and neurofeedback. I also did craniosacral work. All of these are um, amazing, but the NET worked the most for me. Um, they're all holistic approaches to healing, and they work beyond talk therapy for me. It's hard to explain these techniques because they're really different, but for me, NET felt like like I was talking to my spiritual self. It was, it was like your conscious mind doesn't remember everything that you thought and felt as you were going through trauma, but your spiritual self does. And this technique helped me uncover those emotions and process, process them and get rid of them. It was painless and easy, but it took me a solid probably two, two and a half years of going twice a week to process everything that I needed to know. So, you know, give your, be patient with yourself and, and love yourself enough to give yourself time, you know, go through the process of healing. But I promise you these, these, these techniques were life-changing. Along the way, I learned how to love myself and I learned how to use counseling and the atonement to completely heal me. It was a two-step I went at it in uh, a parallel path. As I was going to counseling, I was also developing a stronger relationship with Christ and Heavenly Father and learning how to apply the atonement. So I did it at the same time. And we can talk more about that later when you guys have um, specific questions. So this is just the Cliff Notes version of my story. Believe it or not, there are many other trials and issues that I had to deal with along the way. And if, if you want to hear the rest of the details of the story, you're going to have to read my book. It's Beautiful Ashes. Hopefully, um, I, I have submitted the manuscript for publishing to Deseret Book. I haven't heard back from them yet. Um, so it's not published yet, but hopefully soon. And... Um, uh, however, I hope what what I have to say next stays with you more, because just like what I, I I I told you my story, so you understand that I know what adversity is. Yes, people have had worse things than me, but you can see that I um, I've experienced a lot of different things, and so I have the ability to understand a lot of different things. So. What I'm gonna talk about next is, to me, what matters most. So I know that it's because of these trials that Heavenly Father was able to teach me the lessons that I needed to learn to become the daughter that he needs me to be, which is way different than the daughter I grew up thinking I would become. However, I know that Heavenly Father has done a better job at molding me through the adversity of my life than I could ever have done. In order for me to survive all these trials, Heavenly Father blessed me with so many tender mercies that I, way more than I could even list. But for, first, let's ask the question, how many mission, mission presidents have 15-year-old daughters who play basketball and move in mere months before your life's biggest tragedy and are there to teach you the gospel? The answer to that is not many. I know that Heavenly Father sent them to Michigan just for me. 
Soon after my mother's death, I became a fixture at the mission home and loved by my newly adopted family. When most teenage girls stayed up at night talking about boys, Sabrina and I talked about our faith and our beliefs in God. And of course, boys. <laughs> so I had to get that in. Uh, beyond giving me a safe and soft spot to land when the world was falling apart, Heavenly Father blessed me with some extraordinary experiences with my mother after her death that gave me hope and the strength I needed to continue. The first time my mom came to me was the first basketball game after her funeral. Up to this point in my life, my mother had never missed anything in my life. And I was a, I was a three-sport athlete, and so was my sister. And so she was crazy busy keeping up with us. And I'm sure all you moms out there know how that is. So my mom was always there. And towards the end of the first half, I had stolen the ball. I was on a breakaway. And all of a sudden, I hear my mother cheering from the stands. And I, I, I took my eyes off the, the basket and looked to find her. And there she was with her arms waving, cheering me on. And at that moment, this warm spirit washed over me. And I heard my mother's voice telling me, Shelly, don't worry. Everything will be okay. And I will always love you. And then that spirit left and she was gone. And of course, you know, I, I missed the shot. And then I, and then the buzzer blew for, for halftime. And I kind of walked in the locker room in a, in a daze at halftime thinking, oh my goodness, I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my mind. I'm going crazy. So I, I told nobody because surely I would be committed. And so that night I prayed that if, if this was real, could it happen again? So as things at home continued to get worse, I was having reoccurring nightmares and I was having a hard time sleeping. I, 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 I really wasn't sleeping. One night in particular, about a month after the basketball game, I felt this deep, sense of fear and darkness and despair fall over me. I, as I was laying in bed, I was afraid to go to sleep. I felt hopeless that I would ever recover from the trauma in my life. And the next thing I know, I was on the brink of giving up all hope and a light brighter than the sun at noonday filled my room. And then my mother appeared within that light and the spirit of peace and love filled the room. And my mother spoke to me again, Shelly, don't worry, everything will be okay, and I will always love you. And then the light faded, and, and she was gone. And I was able to sleep in peace for the first time in six weeks. Again, I said nothing to anybody about this experience. I thanked God for the blessing. And this time I knew I wasn't crazy because it was unmistakable. In my heart, I was hoping that these experiences would continue because they brought so much peace and comfort to me, even though I didn't feel like I could tell anybody about them. Then about a month later, during the Christmas shopping season, I was at the mall. My mother was like most women and she loved handbags and shoes. <laughs> and I was passing one of her favorite shoe stores in the mall and I looked inside 
And there she was standing in the store. I knew it was her. So I hurried around this bench that was in my way. And when I got to the store, nobody was in the store, including the workers. They were in the back room. And anyway, I, I felt a bit foolish until I got to the threshold of the door. And that same spirit that filled me at the basketball game and in my room washed over me. And I heard my mother say, Shelly, don't worry. Everything will be okay. And I always love you. Again, I was grateful, but still unsure anyone would believe me that I had gotten messages from my dead mother. But the peace that these messages um, gave me I, are indescribable to me. And if these messages weren't enough to, to just show me that my mother was still a part of my life and watching over me, then I heard the story of the first vision. When Sabrina was telling me about Joseph's experience in the sacred grove, I couldn't help but totally believe him. I instantly recognized the similarities of his experiences to mine. Then I knew I wasn't losing my mind. The visits from beyond the veil from my mother continued in many different ways throughout my life. And I know that they would because I received a blessing from my BYU bishop as a freshman where he told me in this blessing that because of what I had been through and because of how I decided to respond to that adversity, the veil will be thin for you throughout your life. Those were his exact words. And it was, it was then that I finally, with that blessing, I understood that all the experiences that I had had with my mother were blessings from a loving Heavenly Father rewarding me for my faithfulness. I am so grateful for that. And the last but not least visit uh, from my mother that I'm going to tell you about happened two years ago. Earlier, I mentioned that on my honeymoon, I had gotten sick. Well, I was so sick, I had to quit my 20-year career as an engineer and had to spend every minute of every day sick with no relief or no hope of relief. About a year and a half into my illness, I stopped going to specialists to find a cure because there was none. Even the Mayo Clinic said they couldn't help me. I had come to terms with the fact that this was just going to be my new normal. Because of all the adversity that I had already faced in my life, I knew how to most of the time put on a happy face despite being sick all the time. At this point, I, I accepted that I was going to be sick and I promised my Heavenly Father that I was okay with being sick and I focused on what I was supposed to be learning. I had learned a long time ago that asking the question of why something has happened to you a hundred percent of the time, it is because you needed to learn something. So let me repeat that again. The question why, the answer to why anything is happening to you is because you need to learn something. And so I, instead of asking the question, Heavenly Father, why is this happening? I started asking the question, what and how? What is it that I should be learning and how can I use that to help myself or somebody else? So at this point, I became totally okay with the fact that Heavenly Father knew what was best for me. 
whether I understood it or not. And so I spent the next five and a half years totally trusting Heavenly Father knew what was best. Then one morning when I was meditating and the peace and the spirit that I felt every time my mother came to me washed over me. The next thing I knew, my mother was telling me that it was time for me to get a priesthood blessing of healing. That I needed to start praying for the gift to be healed, specifically praying for the gift to be healed. And that I needed to go to the temple and do the ordinances and listen to the blessings. And that I needed to fast and pray to, to spiritually prepare myself for this blessing. I also that I was to pray about who was to assist my husband in giving me this blessing, which I don't think we always think about so much, but I, that was a specific guidance that I received. She, she, I did as she instructed. In the day of my blessing, I fasted, which always made me sicker when I broke my fast. And being the brilliant mind that I am, I decided to break my fast at Cafe Rio, which, okay, dumb decision, <laughs> but I was so sick, I could hardly move. The nausea was so bad. As a matter of fact, it took me two hours to even be able to stand, to walk to the car, to go to my friend's house where the blessing was going to take place. And we got to my friend's house. And um, I was still just so nauseous. I could, it, it, was, it was taking all my strength not to, not to get sick. And we talked for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And, um, and then, then we decided it was time to get the blessing. And so as soon as the anointing oil, the anointing of the oil started and hands were placed on my head, I felt a spirit and a power move through my body. It literally started at the top of my head and just moved down through me, through the bottom of my feet. And 100%, 100% of the pain and nausea that I had felt for the previous seven years was completely gone. I'm here to tell you that the power of the priesthood is real. I'm a living witness of the healing power that it contains. And, you know... I was gung-ho to test that out, so I made sure that uh, on the way home we stopped for dessert, and um, and it's it's been a miracle. So, I like I said, it's been two years since the blessing, and I still feel really good. I still get a little nauseous after I eat sometimes, but it's totally manageable. It's I'm not bedridden like I like I was before. And it, it only, the nausea only lasts for like 15 minutes. And the only lasting effect of my illness is the constant fatigue, which I still struggle with. And it prevents me from going back to work. But it's totally okay. I'd rather be tired all the time than nauseous, tired, and in pain all the time. Because it was the pain and the nausea that was really unbearable. Uh, in addition to the above tender mercies, I learned the following lessons from those tender mercies. First, I have to say that I, I know my Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ live and that they love me. 
I've learned that all those cliches are true. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger. We won't be given more than we can handle. You know, we hear these things and, and people say them, but I, I, I really know that they're real and that they're, they're true. I know that these are the last words that you want to hear when you're struggling and hurting. However, it is when you're struggling and hurting that you have to find the strength to really believe these things, that you, you are stronger than anything you face. I have to ask a question. Do you believe Christ? Now, I didn't ask if you believe if Christ is real or that he lives. I asked, do you believe him? Do you believe that he can do what he said he can do? That being, heal you when you are sick or suffering from any sort of trial. After all, the promise of the atonement is not just to pay the price for our sins, but it is that Christ suffered for us. And because of that, he can heal us from anything. The problem is that it's easier to believe in Christ, but not believe him. In order for us to allow ourselves to be healed, we need to trust and have faith that Christ can really do what he has promised. And I, I know he can. One of the most wonderful things about the atonement is that it is ready and able to help us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All we have to do is, to, is really learn to put our trust and turn our trials over to him. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Christ teaches us what will happen if we allow him to help us. The scripture reads, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a wonderful invitation and promise. The question isn't who wouldn't want to make their burden lighter because I think that everybody does. The issue is how do you do it? What I found is that it takes faith, trust, and a development of your relationship with both our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. After all, how can you trust somebody to pick you up when you are broken and bleeding if you don't even know them? This is one of the reasons why we're reminded that we need to read our scriptures, we need to pray, go to the temple, attend our meetings, serve others. These are all ways for us to learn of me, learn the nature of our Savior, and develop a deep relationship with him. Because isn't it much more comforting to turn to a shoulder of a close friend to cry on rather than a stranger? We are Heavenly Father's children, and He loves us, and Christ loves us. They want us to know them intimate, as intimately as they know us. They need, never, never leave us to suffer on our own. We are the ones that need to put forth the effort to learn how to hear them, how to turn our sorrow, sorrows 100% over to them and trust that everything will be okay. I'm here to tell you that no matter what happens in your life, no matter how hard or how bad you think something is, 
it is okay. No, today it might not be okay per our standards, but as long as you're going to do what you should be doing and doing your very best, everything will be okay. It will be exactly as it should be. That isn't to say that it will be exactly as you want it to be. I said it will be exactly as you should be. After all, we do not know all things, and we do not know what is best, but Heavenly Father does. We have to put our trust in Him and let go and know that in the end we will be okay. The trick is learning how to let go. We can talk about that later, I think. The way that I see it is this. This life is meant for us to be tried and tested. It is designed for our growth. It isn't in Heavenly Father's plan for it to be easy street. If it was, then we wouldn't have a chance to grow. We would never be able to become the people that Heavenly Father needs us to be. Notice I didn't say the people we want to be. I said this because, again, we don't know what's best for us, and Heavenly Father does. This is important to remember. There is no way for the atonement to work in our lives if we don't believe 100% in this truth. Trials and tests are good for us. Yes, I said that. Trials and tests are good for us. They often hurt and are really hard to deal with, but they are the exercise that our spirits and character need to strengthen us and help us become who we need to be. I like to think of it like a weightlifter or an athlete. If they don't go to the gym and do the exercise and lift the weights, then they won't be in the physical shape that they need to be to perform well. The same goes with our character. If we don't do the heavy lifting, so to speak, then we will be weak and unable to become strong. We will not have the character that we need to fulfill our missions on earth. So hence why I said, Trials and tests are good for us. I know that this may sound hard to believe, but I can honestly sit here today and say that I wouldn't change anything about my life. Yes, I wish that many things could have been different and that my mother was here, but I know that I wouldn't be the person I am today without the experiences that I've had. I don't even know if I'd be a member of the church. What I do know is that I have strength that I never knew was possible. I have learned empathy that most people will never have. I have learned that if I truly trust Christ and put everything in his hands, he will carry me. The worst thing that we can do is compare our problems to somebody else. The truth is you may think that so-and-so has it easier than you do, but the reality is they don't. Heavenly Father pushes, he loves us all the same. So he pushes us all the same. He pushes us all to our very limits. The difference are just what the trials are. Our trials are all tailor-made to help each of us reach our potential. They are in no means a punishment. They are a blessing because they are opportunities for growth. It is up to us whether or not they become stepping stones or stumbling blocks. We decide if we're going to face life challenges and turn towards Heavenly Father or away. 
If we turn towards him, then we will be carried. If we don't, then we will struggle. Remember that life is a team sport. It isn't the goal to be better than your neighbor. The goal is to be the best that you can be and along the way help others be the best that they can be. Look for ways to develop your Christ-like character and don't take much time to feel sorry for yourself. Remember that Christ is anxiously awaiting to carry you. Believe him and know that there really isn't anything that you cannot handle as long as you yoke yourself with Christ. And the one last thing that I have always held on to is that Heavenly Father is perfectly just and merciful. So the way I see it is this. At some point, the scales of justice, if you know the scales of justice outside every courtroom, the justice is the statue is blind, she's holding the scales. Well, if you put all the sorrow, pain, and suffering that you've experienced in your life in this hand, you know, the scales become unbalanced. I know that at some point, because Heavenly Father is just and merciful, that those scales will be balanced with joy and happiness. However, it isn't up to me to decide when that happens. I just know that it will. The scriptures promise this. In Doctrine and Covenants 58.2, it says, He that is faithful in tribulation, the reward of the same is greater in the kingdom of heaven. So I'm grateful for my Heavenly Father and the overabundance of tender mercies that he has blessed me with in my life. I know that he always is watching out for me and that as long as I do what Heavenly Father needs me to do, everything in my life will be exactly how it should be. And as my mother said, don't worry, everything will be okay. For me personally, life is way more than okay. I have been blessed beyond any measure of adversity that I have faced, and I truly believe that. In closing, I'd like to bear my testimony that I know Heavenly Father and Christ live. I know that they not only love me, but they love all of us. I know that if we put our trust in Christ's atonement, we can be healed from anything. I, I learned that if we change our prayers to focus on our blessings and stop worrying about what's going wrong, or what we might feel we are missing, and hand that burden over to Christ, he will carry us. I know that Joseph Smith was a true prophet of God, and that he restored the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that if we abide by the principles of the gospel, we can accomplish anything. I know that we all agreed to the plan to come to earth to be tried and tested. I believe that we even knew of most of the adversity we were going to face, that isn't to say that we, that we understood it because that's the purpose of this life, but we knew. I knew that I'd grow up with abuse. I knew that I would be raped. I knew that I would endure every trial that I have faced, and I still rejoiced in the opportunity to be born. Has it been hard? Of course, but I trust Heavenly Father, and that means I know that everything big and small will be worth the struggle. I know that if I agree to do, to do this, that it will be worth it because I know myself and I'm no dummy. I also know that the priesthood is real and it has the power to heal you 
if it is part of Heavenly Father's plan for you to be healed. And finally, I know that we have a living prophet today, and if we're questioning anything, we can follow President Nelson and be safe. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, Amen. that is my presentation. <laughs> Amen, Shelley. Thank you so much. Oh, we felt the spirit so strong in you gals. She has just given us a gift of 15 more minutes for our Q&A, which is so fun. <laughs> Before we start our Q&A, Shelly, will you just tell everybody just a little bit about what your life looks like now? Like, Oh, that my help. life now is great. I am married. I have, I have four stepchildren, and I've recently adopted a, a teenager. <laughs> And uh, I, I have an amazing husband, and I, um, I have a beautiful home, and I have a, a family that loves me. And, um, you know, it's, I already feel like I've been blessed more than I have had been tried. So... You know, for a long time, I felt like the scales were out of balance like this. Now the scales are out of balance like this because I can look at um, everything that I've been through and see Heavenly Father's hand in my life the whole time. I can see how he's helped me the whole way. I was never alone, never. But I, I felt that way for a long time. And, but I know now that I, I never was, and, um, and I just, I just, I have an amazing family, and we do a lot together, and we, we travel together, we have family gatherings together, and, and, um, that's the family been, uh, that I've been adopted into. I mean, my my sister, I'm still close with my sister, but I, I have many other sisters that, that I've been adopted. And when I said I've been adopted, I really have been adopted into my friend's family and, and multiple times throughout my life. And so I, I've been blessed with so many amazing friends. And, um, you know, most people don't have the quality of friends that I have and it's because I've had these opportunities to I live with I lived with three different friends families <laughs> so I became a member of multiple families and um, you know you might think that that's bad but on the other hand it, it, it teaches you different things you learn um, you learn different things from being an integral part of different people's families because everybody does things differently. And so you, you have many opportunities for learning when you, when you experience life like that. So awesome. Something you shared with me yesterday. Oh, it just has stuck with me ever since we talked, just the power of letting go of what we think should be or letting go of what's holding our attention. One of the things that we talk about in our um, mom power training is what we focus on, we get 
more of or what holds our attention holds us and how easy it is to just pray for and yearn for and focus on what it is we want to change, what it is we think needs to get better before we can get better. Anyway, I just think that what you shared yesterday about your conscious decision where you had a day where on purpose you thought, I am no longer going to be focused in that direction. Now I'm going to be focused in this direction. Will you just share that with us? You know, what we were talking about was that along the way, when I was in the process of trying to heal myself emotionally with and, and, and unblock all the trauma, I was also developing my relationship with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And I said in my in my talk that basically I was at a point where I was literally praying to die every single day. And it was in I was in my mid-30s. I hadn't been on a date for almost a decade. I um, my best friend had just got married. I just started this trauma therapy. So I'm digging up the past and I was miserable. So I'm just like praying, Heavenly Father, I'm not going to kill myself because then I'd be in trouble. So I'm not going to do that because I don't believe that that's that I, I, I would never do that. But please, can you, can you have mercy on me? Can you just bring me home? I'm ready. You know, I, I was... I was trying to come to terms with the fact that I would never have the family that I wanted to have. And I, I just, I, I was coming to terms with the fact that um, I probably wouldn't have children and may never get married and I might be alone and I was lonely. And so my prayers were, my prayers were, oh, Heavenly Father, Please send me Mr. Right, blah, 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 blah. I was praying for all these things that I wanted. And so I kept asking for, I kept asking him to give me things. And I felt like I was just not being heard, really, because I wasn't getting those things. And Mr. Right wasn't calling me up and asking me out on a date. And and, you know, I live in Michigan, so the dating pool here for if you're LDS is really small, shallow. <laughs> it's, just, it's not a deep pool. And the older you get, that pool gets smaller and smaller. And, and so, anyway, I, I did one simple thing. It was just one simple thing is I started only praying and thanking Heavenly Father for the things that I had. Every day, I just, I try to think of something new. And I would think about the family that I had, the job that I had, my testimony. Every day, I would try to think of something, something new that I could be grateful for. And as I did that, my attitude changed. And I started thinking, I'm complaining about, you know, a handful of things that I don't have when I have this whole list of things that I do have. And so, of course, it went hand in hand with the trauma counseling. And so I was processing and healing 
on that level, as well as changing my attitude. And I think that's what you were talking about that we talked about yesterday. Yeah. It's so amazing. I just thought that was so amazing. In fact, I started laughing because I was like, that is so true. And it's so simple that it makes you mad. <laughs> it's just such a simple answer to just change your focus and let God be in charge. But it just, it just makes you mad because you think, can't I just have what I want? And aren't you there listening to me? Yeah. Well, so awesome. So we're going to open it up to your questions, please. You gals, um, what are some of the notes that you took, some questions that you have? I'm just going to make a quick comment to everybody. Just as a reminder, this meeting is being recorded, and we will be posting the recording on our podcast channel, Mothers Who Know. So that being said, if you don't want your voice on the recording, go ahead and put your question in the chat. I will go back in and remove the names on the recording. So if we say your name, I, I'll be sure to take that out before we put it out there. But just wanted you to, to be aware that it will be going on our podcast channel, Mothers Who Know. And also, just so you know, you can share this podcast. You can share it with your friends or anybody else you think would like to hear it. And if anybody wants to get a hold of Shelly, you can uh, go to her website at beautifulashesmemoir.com, or you can also email her. So if, if you're listening to the recording and you have some questions, she loves to chat with people, and you can uh, email her at beautifulashesmemoir at gmail com, and I'm sure she'll get back to you and answer any other questions you might have if you're hearing this later on. So anyway, yeah, we'll go ahead and open it up. Thank you everybody for being here. For those that want to stay and visit with Shelly, she's all yours for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> Thanks, April. Hey. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind being recorded. I'm good. Um, but I just wanted to thank Shelly, first of all, for sharing your story. Wow, I know we're not supposed to compare trials, but like after listening to yours, I'm like, wow, I just need to just, yeah, show my gratitude to Heavenly Father for the blessings and not, because I've had a long four years, but you've had a long life. So, wow. Anyway, thanks for sharing, because it was really awesome just to hear your story. Um, some of the questions I wrote down, I have several, so we can always bounce back and forth that back to me, but um, one, and maybe you said it and I missed it, but I wanted to see when you joined the church, because I, I know you had said you grew up not being in the gospel, but then obviously went to BYU, and I kind of think I missed. I, I didn't say, um, this is what happened. So right before my mom died, a new mission president moved in with a 15-year-old daughter, and we became really fast friends. And um, I became a fixture at the mission home <laughs> and uh, they started inviting me to family prayer and asking me to come to church. It took a year and a half. They ended up having to go home early um, from their mission because of stuff that went on with their dad's business. And so they were only there a year and a half. So the last Sunday that they were in Michigan, I finally agreed to go to church, which was um, I was 16, uh, almost 17. It was, and, um, it was fast Sunday in January. And then I went to church and I didn't think I'd go again. I had another experience where basically, cause I thought I was betraying my mother's Catholicism by joining. And literally it was fast in testimony meeting and um, 
Sister Parrot got up at the uh, to give her testimony, and next thing you know, it was my mom talking to me, basically mm -hmm. saying, "Shelly, every you're what you're doing is right," and it was like my um, answer that I could go forward. And so then I started going to church. I started going to seminary, and I took the discussions, and I was baptized in February of '87. That's so. awesome. Wow. Okay, cool. Thanks. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to ask you about is when you were talking about um, the different um, holistic methods of therapy. Yeah, I just wanted to see like, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming counselors, I guess, taught you about that. I just wanted to, you kind of mentioned some different ones and the one that you um, said was the most helpful, but how do you learn about those? I, I've never heard of any of those. Well, my counselor that I just, I, I actually met my counselor. She worked at Family Services uh, at the time. She doesn't anymore. But um, anyway, just by happenstance, and she does all these different techniques. But the neuroemotional technique, or NET, okay. um, if you go to netmindbody.com, you can find practitioners in your area. And let me just tell you about it's it's a really odd technique, but I I for me it literally was like talking to my spiritual self because your body stores everything that you experience, and you might not have a conscious memory. Like for me, um, it was uh, the first thing that I worked on was I am lovable. I didn't believe that at my core, that I was lovable. Consciously, I thought, sure, I'm lovable, but at my core, I didn't believe that. And so we worked through that, and, and literally, it's like, um, you have to peel back the onion, but I, I placed, I, you can timestamp when that um, thought or feeling became, um, my thought process about myself and for me i was an infant when i started feeling that way because of the abuse in my family but but then i planted that seed multiple times so i had to address that concern multiple times but it, it takes minutes to address um it one at a time so it it really was life-changing i i can't explain how it works because to me it's like a miracle how it works i just know that it does work the the emdr the net and the cranial sacral um and neurofeedback all worked so much they were so much more powerful for me than just talk therapy i had gone to talk therapy for years and i just didn't feel like i was getting anywhere but these holistic approaches changed my life for me. And you know, part of it, and part of it was, I also was working on learning how to trust God more and learning how to apply the atonement at the same time. And that's just as much, just as important as processing the trauma. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. you, you have to process the trauma in a, professional way but work on your relationship too the the hardest part and i was telling karen this yesterday the hardest part is learning how to really let go and trust 
that Heavenly Father, I know you've got me. I, I know you've got me. And giving, because because I've been on my own since I've been 15. And so, you know, I, I managed to get a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. And uh, I had a, a fabulous career. And um, I was the one that was taking care of it. As an adult, I, I take care of people. That's what I do. And, um, and when I became in the position of, <laughs> of having to turn my cares over to, to God, that was hard for me because I, I didn't feel safe doing that because I had to learn how to trust a man because I had been betrayed so many times. And I also had to trust that if I gave this away, that it wasn't gonna, the ball wasn't going to be dropped. And, and that's a process that everybody has to figure out for themselves. It's, it's really hard to explain, but, um, but really it's, it's giving, giving, passing the torch off to Christ and really allowing his atonement and really believing, like wholeheartedly believing that Heavenly Father knows what's best for you and trusting in his plan and the other thing is, is it's like, I use these little anecdotes. Like, um, I mentioned it a little briefly in my talk, but, you know, in the pre-existence, we all knew some of these struggles. We were completely ignorant <laughs> as to, to what the, that it meant to go through these things. But we, we knew the big things that were going to stretch us. And, you know, you said at the beginning they they you know not to compare or whatever but here here's my what i'm going to say to you is what you've been going through for the last 4 years is the same as what i've been going through for the last 40 or 50 oh i'll be 50 in april heavenly father loves us all the same so your hardest things are the same as my hardest things they're just different and that's why we can't compare to each other. And that's why you can't, you can't say, oh, well, so-and-so's got easy street. Well, so-and-so's easy street isn't easy for them. So that's how I, that's how I feel about it anyway. I don't know if I answered your question or if I got off in the weeds. No, you did. You did good. And it actually leads into my last question. And, and that's, you know, and you kind of touched on it, but just when you felt like, you were truly able to trust in the Lord to let go because um, I am a control freak. And I think um, talking with Karen, I've done one of my little private things with her and she's similar to me. So I feel like we're kindred spirits and just being able to, um, yeah, I mean, I know I need to, right? Like I know what to do. I know that I need to do that. It's just, when did you feel like you were there, right? That where you arrived at that place where you could truly let go of your stuff and trust the heavenly father does, you know, I mean, and I know he knows, right? Like I know he does. It's just that, um, the ability to just let go of the trial and be like, Hey, you've got this. Like, and when were you able to do that? It's a process. And I have to say that it took me like the, at the same time that I was go, I, I'm doing this on my computer. Like you guys can see me, but at the same time I was going through the trauma counseling I was, I was learning to do that. So I would say that it, it, it probably took me two years to figure, 
figure out could figure out really how to let go and how to trust and part of it was the healing that i needed to do within myself and because fundamentally i started off believing that i wasn't lovable so if i don't love myself how am i going to believe that somebody else especially god is loves me and and so um so as i as i healed those wounds at the same time i developed that relationship and i i i bolstered up my own courage to let it go i had to bolster up my own courage to let it go and it was it was really funny and i talk a, i kind of talk about this moment in the in my book it was like I came out of counseling this one day and it was just this, you know how in the spring, do you, where do you live? I'm in Utah. Okay. Yeah. So you know how in the spring, the sun, when the sun comes out and it's warm and the flowers are starting to bloom, it just, you, it just is so much happier <laughs> than winter. And it was like one of those spring day moments for me. It was just, it was, it was almost like I worked at it. I worked at it. I worked at it. I worked at it. Okay, you're done. <laughs> so don't give up. And, and just, and, and, and the thing is, is, is be gentle on yourself. Don't, don't expect things to change in a minute because it takes time. And, you know, that's the other thing is we don't know what the lesson is that we're learning. We just know that we're learning a lesson. So is that lesson patience? Is it long suffering? Is it endurance? I mean, how do you teach those things? Adversity. Right. <laughs> yeah. And right. lots of it. Yeah. Okay. And, Thank you. So thanks. Yeah. Too, don't you think it has so much to do with us understanding that God doesn't want us to feel responsible for holding all our stuff. I think a lot of us don't know how to give things to God because we think, I think I'm supposed to hold this because it's mine. Like I did it. I chose it or it's in my court. So God expects me to take care of this and hold this. That's part of being good. And I think that that's a false belief for, that we get hooked into that he wants us to hold and be responsible for things when we really just is inviting us to give it to him. So good. What's your next question, gals? I have a question. Okay. I was wondering if you could describe the process of um, just what you were saying about healing to where you could learn to love yourself because um, my husband's gone through a lot of abuse and trauma in his life and he doesn't feel that he's lovable still. <laughs> and even though he has a family that loves him unconditionally, he still can't believe it. <laughs> he's like, I don't know why you love me. <laughs> and um, and so I, I just wondered if you could provide some insights on, on your healing journey of learning to love yourself. Yeah. And I mean, mostly it was, it was going through the trauma therapy that I, that I went through it. I, I can't reiterate enough, like how it, your, your brain, it, um, when, when you experience trauma, um, your, your brain, especially as a child, your brain doesn't process it the way that an adult processes it. And so you, you get stuck believing these false, these lies <laughs> in, 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 in 
no uncertain terms about yourself and um and you have to go in there and dig them out look at them say this isn't true and throw it away and i i was able to do that through the type of counseling that i went through and it was um like i said for me it was two and a half years of of twice a week um of intense therapy of just digging up all these little seeds that I planted that were lies my whole life about about myself and about my own beliefs uh, in myself and I think if, if he's if he, if he's at that level if you can get him to go see a, a, a counselor that would be probably the best thing for him but the other thing is is um, there's there's a book it's called um, the five love languages have you heard of it <laughs> yes I have heard of that book and I've read that book we both read that book okay so talk to him in his language and and that should help him but I, I think mostly um, I would if, if he's got you know a lot of trauma in his past he needs to deal with it it's like a cancer it sits there and it eats at you and it be you know i actually had some very um physical release there's there's another book it's called the body keeps the score yeah and um and then there's another book that's about emdr that's called um getting past your past and it, it talks about EMDR in that therapy, and it actually explains on how it works and why it works. And they're actually using it at the VA now to, to treat um, um, soldiers with PTSD. So was the NET therapy, was that what you're calling your trauma therapy? Is that what you meant by yeah, the trauma well, therapy? EMDR, NET, but see, I did NET the most, but because in order for EMDR to work, um, you need to be a little bit more in tune with your feelings. And for me, my um, coping mechanism to survive my life was numb, to numb everything. So. Yeah numbed and numbed and numbed and numbed and so when I was at the beginning of my therapy I was so disconnected from my feelings I it was hard for me to do EMDR but EMDR is very simple but you have to be a little bit in tune with your feelings so it just depends I mean you know different techniques work for different people but but the NET I found worked best for me so in the NET, like when you were saying you were talking to your spiritual self, mm -hmm. and so you would bring up some lie like my my dad didn't love me or whatever, and yeah. then and then you would then you just logically say, well, I know that's not true. Is that is that no, what you well, would do next? This is what's hokey about it. So everyone brace yourself when I tell you. <laughs> Literally, it um it has to do with muscle testing and the acupuncture meridians. So literally you would hold your arm out like this and the therapist would, I don't know where the pressure points are on the hand, on the arm, but you would, you would basically make a statement, I am lovable. And if you are congruent with that, with just a little bit of pressure, she wouldn't be able to put, or this therapist, I shouldn't say she, 
they wouldn't be able to push your arm down. But if you weren't congruent with that, you wouldn't be able to hold your arm up. So it was like this, it was, it was your body answering the questions. That's why I say it's like your spirit's answering the question. And so then um, you could use the same muscle testing to kind of timestamp. And every time it's just like, okay, well, what happened when you were six? Six. Well, let me think about that. That I would have thought. Of, and then, and then it was like, okay, well, that's what it happened. And then I would have to hold some pressure points. I put my hand on my forehead like this, and I would hold the thought. I'd get tapped on the head and a couple taps down my back, and then I would. They would check to see. We'd make the statement again if I was solid. You do a couple other checks to make sure you're congruent, and that's it. <laughs> then next next problem that's so did it work for things that you couldn't remember that you had repressed yep yep I, I would imagine that you have repressed memories from adult I trauma I do and yeah like well when I planted the seed that I was unlovable it came back to the first time I planted that seed I was six months old so so I I didn't remember you know, so we just had to imagine what was going on in my life when I was six. My I, my dad didn't ever want to have kids. He was um, actually gay. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, my parents got married in 1960, and they were married um, a month shy of 25 years. And my dad, I learned after my mom was gone, was actually gay. And he never wanted a family, but that was what you did. So, yeah. well, thank you so much. I, I just loved hearing your story. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and, and how the savior and depending on the atonement helped you to heal. That's just so beautiful. I think that's one of the trickiest things is learning how to apply the atonement in that healing journey, especially when you're stuck in the painful part where you feel alone and unloved. Well, and the thing is, is, um, and I was saying this to Karen yesterday is when you're in the, when you're in the, the trench, right, when you're in that hole, you don't want to hear that it's your choice. But ultimately, it becomes your choice of learning how to let go. And, you know, you, you, it, it's like grief. You have to go through the stages. You have to go through the process. So, but ultimately, it becomes a choice of, okay, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to move forward. And, um, but you know, if you're, again, I, if you've had a lot of trauma or adversity that requires therapy, there's no shame in it, you know, and, um, and it, it's, it's really there as a tool to help you heal. And I look at, counseling is no different than going to the doctor for a broken leg you know and uh and I think everybody can use a healthy round of counseling <laughs> right I do too <laughs> thank you so much yeah did you have a question I just love thank you Shelly for sharing this amazing journey it sounds just amazing I love that you um shared that the our life is such a team sport um I love that whole philosophy of how you've gotten to a place where you can 
share it and then that you can, um, you know, how did you get to a point where you can share it and you can help us all learn from it? That's what I love that, you know, I think Heavenly Father wants us to get to a point where we can share with each other so that we can all learn and grow from each other. I, I totally agree. I, I got to this point because through going through everything, I, I've developed empathy. It's like, I really have, I, I can't say that I've experienced everything in my life, but because of everything that I have experienced, I've never met somebody who's had some adversity that I haven't been able to relate to and in some way, whether it's, you know, um, uh, like I've never been divorced, but my husband was divorced. And so I could relate to his abandonment because of my abandonment with my father. And, and so I wanted to find, I, I knew that there was a greater purpose for my suffering. <laughs> and I'm at a place now that I, I, the, the only thing that's important to me is helping somebody else. That's the only thing that I want right now is I, I'm, I'm doing this because I know that I can be a witness of the atonement. I can be a witness of the power of the pre, healing power of the priesthood and I can help other people. And I just love people. And I, and I, I, I want, I don't want everybody to have to suffer as long as I did to, to figure it out. And so I want to be there to say, this is how you do it. And so that's, that's kind of how I got there. And it gives me, um, it makes the sacrifice worth the effort. Yeah. Well, you just do it so beautifully. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Shelly. We just want to express our love and appreciation for you and Thank you so much for your generous sharing your vulnerability because it helps us to grow and feel so much more like, well, no matter where we're at, there's hope and there's always hope and that so much of our healing comes from our, our place of agency and how to find Jesus Christ with that agency. Wow. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week at our next um, Stay by the Tree webinar series. And be sure to share this with your friends. Thanks, Shelly. Thanks. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. The Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA-age young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. And The Clark and Linda Show, a courageous couple that shares their journey of pornography addiction and how that affected their marriage and family. 
You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under MothersWhoKnow.lcs or search for Mothers Who Know and on Instagram, username at Mothers underscore Who Know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to MomPowerTraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week Mom Power Training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at MothersWhoKnow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at LifeChangingServices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. And by the way, if you do enroll in a program, use our promo code MWK on the enrollment form to get $25 off a Sense of Human intake session. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.